Okay, good morning uh, and welcome to today's lecture on the um, politics and government of Germany. Uh, our topic today will be parties and the party system in the Federal Republic of Germany. <coughs> Let me first give you an idea of what I want to do. Um, I'll first say a few words about the ideological and historical background of German parties and then I will talk about parties and their relationship to the German state. After that, I will give you um, brief portraits of the main parties of the Federal Republic and their <coughs> developments. Before, I will say a few words about the party system as a whole. And lastly, I will investigate the question, who votes for whom? Um, and I will there take the general election of September 2005 as an example. Let me start with the um, history. As in other European countries, the German parties developed along the main conflict lines that characterized the processes of nation building and the industrial revolution in the 19th century. The first party organizations emerged in the 1860s and they developed into four ideological pillars, the liberals, the conservatives, the Catholics, and the socialists. The liberals and the conservatives were based on the conflict between the conservative feudal political elite of the monarchy and bureaucracy and the liberal political forces of the emerging bourgeoisie. The confessional conflict in Germany, which as you will know dates back to the reformation of the first half of the 16th century, gained political relevance when the Catholics became a national minority in the course of the foundation of Imperial Germany in 1871. And they organized themselves into the Catholic Center Party. The emergence of the socialists eventually was due to the replacement of the traditional agrarian by the industrial society and the development of a new social group, namely the industrial working class. In addition, the center periphery co conflict led to a variety of small parties which represented ethnic groups and minorities. Of these parties, only the socialists had a mass base and developed outside parliament. The other parties, um, especially the conservatives and the liberals, uh, both of which were organized into more than one party each, clearly were so-called mandate parties, i.e. they had hardly any party organization and membership. Their communications and their policy development um, were characterized by a clear top-down relationship. They were run from the center, namely by those who held elected office. It was only the extension of suffrage which gradually forced these parties to build up a party apparatus um, and adopt a more formal organization. And as we will see later, uh, this distinction still holds for the development of parties in the Federal Republic, um, at least for the first couple of decades. Today, at least the two main parties are very much alike in terms of territorial organization and mass membership, although the Social Democrats maintain a small advantage. In the Federal Republic, um, the party's structural development was and is still shaped by a couple of factors um, 
uh, and some of them are um, dependent on the state. The first to be mentioned is, of course, federalism. The fact that Germany is a federal country means that party organizations follow the federal structure and that weakens central control um, both of um, policy making and of recruitment. A diversified power structure is the result of developing a fully fledged party organization not only at the federal level but also at that of each of the 16 Länder. But there are also some legal or rather constitutional requirements that parties must fulfill. Article 21 of the Basic Law and the Party Law demand that the internal organization of parties um, be democratic, which means that the parties rank and file have the formal right to decide details of the statute and the program, and that they have to elect the members of the party's central office and select the candidates, candidates for public office. It also stipulates that parties which fight against the Constitution and liberal democracy can be outlawed by the Federal Constitutional Court. This is part of the principle of combative democracy that I talked about in the lecture of, uh, about the Constitution, and I will come back to that later. And lastly, Article 38 of the Basic Law guarantees the freedom of conscience of members of parliament so that the party on um, the party on public office is formally independent from the party's central organization. This again results in a diversion of power and impediments for strict central control. The constitution in article 21 also charges, charges the parties with an educative function in society. As a consequence, at least the partial financing of the parties through the state has come to be seen as justified because it enables or assists the parties uh, in contesting elections. In addition, the various party-related foundations, such as the Konrad Adenauer Foundation for the Christian Democrats or the Friedrich Ebert Foundation for the Social Democrats, these foundations also obtain funds and engage in a range of activities which is not specifically aimed at boosting the party's electoral fortunes, but more in political educational groundwork, both at home and abroad, uh, not least in developing countries. There are, of course, a number of things to be said about um, party financing by the state. On the one hand, there is the danger of parties developing a self-service mentality and exploiting the coffers of the state uh, for their own good end. It could also be feared that uh, the distinction between the parties and the state becomes blurred and that parties no longer strive to increase their membership because they no longer depend on their fees. On the other hand, party financing, uh, start state financing, which in all cases is not the most important source of income for the parties, but only one among several, State financing reduces the dependence on donations, especially on large donations, and the questionable influence of single individuals or corporations on party policy that comes with it. But to sum it up, it can be said that this issue is one of continuous controversy in Germany, as in many other places, and the party finance scandal of the Christian Democrats only a few years ago uh, is certain to keep the issue on the agenda.
Let me now come to the um, party, parties as they exist in the Federal Republic. In the beginning of the Federal Republic, or to be more precise, actually before its founding under Allied control, um, political parties were subject, subject to licensing. The Allies, who after all had supreme authority in Germany, wanted to make sure that only people of unquestionable democratic values could play a role in future German politics. This licensing lasted until 1950. After that, no such controls were in place anymore. But all the important parties in German politics were founded under Allied authority, the Social Democrats, the Christian Democrats, the Liberal Party, the FDP, the Communist Party, and the Center Party. None of the latecomers stood a chance with the German electorate, at least in the long term. That remained true until the 1980s, when the first new party was founded that was to become a long-term electoral success, namely the Greens. But let me start here with the parties as they appeared on the scene in the mid to late 1940s. The Social Democratic Party, or the SPD, is the one German mass party, or catch-all party, or Volkspartei in German, that when it was licensed in 1945, could be considered a refoundation, not a newcomer. Its history reaches back into the 1860s, and it had known its share of repression from authority um, already before the Nazi dictatorship. The SPD had been forbidden since 1933, after its members of parliament had voted as the only party against the law legitimizing Hitler's dictatorship, the so-called Enabling Act. After its licensing and refoundation in 1945, it could quickly build on networks and contacts that had been in hiding during the dictatorship. Some members, it is reported, even wanted to pay their membership dues for the years back to 1933. Initially, there were three centers of power that competed with each other in the party. First, there was the so-called Bureau Schumacher in Hanover, named after the charismatic Kurt Schumacher, who had spent the, most of the Nazi years in a, in a concentration camp, and in the course of that had completely ruined his health, and who was now an energetic force trying to establish social democracy as the leading political force in Germany. Second, there was the leadership in exile around Erich Ollenhauer, who had spent the war years in London and were only allowed to return to Germany in 1946. And third, there was the so-called Central Committee in Berlin under Grotewohl, which was most heavily among the three influenced by the Soviet Union and in favor of a political strategy to unite the working class, i.e. join forces with the Communist Party. Schumacher, however, was strictly anti-communist and opposed to any joint action with communists whom he considered Nazis painted red. His energetic fight finally won him the day and the leadership of the West German SPD. In terms of membership, the SPD was by far the largest German party and this has remained so to the present day. Already in 1947, only two years after its rebirth, 
its membership amounted to 870,000. In terms of policy, Schumacher's positions became dominant, but there was little opposition to his program. As in the Weimar Republic, the SPD was characterized by a mixture of Marxist doctrine and reformist practice. It advocated the socialization of large-scale agrarian estates and of the coal and steel industries, largely in line with what, what was then also the program and the policy of, for example, the British Labour Party. But in spite of its organizational strength and the fact that many Germans had socialist leanings after the war, the SPD failed to win widespread electoral support. Towards the end of the 1950s, the SPD therefore made a major programmatic step to transform itself from a workers' party to a modern mass or catch-all party that could appeal also to other strata of the electorate. It abandoned Marxism and emphasized freedom, justice and solidarity in a parliamentary democracy. It now regarded nationalization as only a means of last resort to fight concentration of economic power. The new slogan in economic policy was as much competition as possible, as much planning as necessary. In 1960, the SPD made another major move, this time in the area of foreign policy, by accepting the integration into NATO and the European community. The Social Democrats' credentials as the potential party of national government were finally fully established um, when it was accepted into the Grand Coalition with the CDU in 1966. During the three years of this coalition, the SPD managed to position itself as the party of modernization, not least in the area of foreign policy and detente, largely thanks to its foreign minister, Willy Brandt, but also with respect to economic policy, thanks to its expert, Karl Schiller. As a result, in 1969, the Social Democrats became the main party of government and formed a coalition with the Liberals, who had used their brief spell in opposition for a reorganization. With Willy Brandt becoming federal chancellor, this was a major change in German politics, not least because it was the first real change in government and it demonstrated, therefore, the stability of Germany's new democracy. Here was also a chancellor who was a representative of the other Germany, somebody who had been in exile during the dictatorship and the war and who had actively resisted and fought the Nazis. The Social Liberal Coalition initiated modest reforms in the areas of justice and social matters, but important changes in foreign policy with Ostpolitik actively following a course of detente. While the economic problems of the mid to late 1970s were mastered quite well under the chancellorship of the pragmatic Helmut Schmidt, the SPD run, ran into trouble in that period as conflicts emerged within German society which centered around so-called post-materialist values. The primary conflict, nuclear energy, was soon augmented by issues in the area of security policy, primarily around the so-called NATO double-track decision. As those discontent with the government's policies were mainly former SPD supporters who now withdrew their support, 
and switched to the new Green Party, the SPD soon found itself in opposition when its long-term political partner, the FDP, decided to jump ship and form a new coalition with Helmut Kohl's CDU. Much of the time between 1982 and 89 was spent in a long programmatic debate that eventually resulted in a new program designed to replace the Godesberg program of 1959. But the sea change in European politics that took place in 1989 meant that the program was in parts obsolete at the very moment it was passed. And the SPD spent much of the 1990s catching up. In 1998, it managed, after 16 years in opposition, to regain the federal government in a coalition with the Green Party. I will come back to the present situation towards the end of the lecture. The Christian Democratic Union, as the other big party in German post-war politics, is a new creation and arguably the most successful party in the federal republic. It was in government for no less than 37 out of the roughly 55 years of the Federal Republic. Among these years were the formative first 20 years of the new German democracy, the years between 1949 and 1969. <coughs> the CDU can thus rightly be considered to have laid the foundations of the Second German Republic. As I already mentioned, the CDU was newly founded in 1945. But that does not mean that it was without political predecessors. Indeed, there are a number of influences on this party. First, um, as the name suggests, Christian values were supposed to be the foundation of politics. This was attractive to many people after the Second World War and the Nazi dictatorship. What was new was that this party was to be interdenominational. There had been a party based on Christian values before. I already mentioned the center party, the centrum of the Weimar Republic, um, a Catholic party. But relations between Catholics and Protestants had been very strained, so the concept of a cross-denominational union party was very new indeed. Other influences formative for the CDU included conservative ones, liberal ones, and social ones. As to the latter, the concept of a socialism based on Christian values, as opposed to Marxist thought, um, socialism based on Christian values was attractive to many people after the war. This aspect was particularly stressed by the Berlin leader of the CDU, Jakob Kaiser, a leader of the Catholic trade unions in the Weimar Republic. But there were other competing centers uh, in the beginning, just as in the SPD, such as the Rhineland area, particularly Cologne, where Catholic influence was strong under the regional leader Konrad Adenauer, and in the north of Germany, where the supporters mainly came from a conservative Protestant background. What was common to all of them was their commitment to an interdenominational party based on Christian values and a desire to become the dominant political force for all people to the right of the Social Democrats. Already in 1947, in the famed Arlen program, it became clear, though, that the concept 
of the social market economy was to be preferred to Christian socialism. And indeed, the success of the social market economy reform program, about which you will hear more next week, um, became one of the foundations for the CDU's electoral victories. While the CDU had been more or less neck and neck with the SPD in the 1949 election, um, they scored 31 versus 29%, the CDU could capitalize on the ensuing positive economic um, developments and become the natural party of government uh, in the 1950s in a coalition with the liberals and several smaller parties. But structurally, this party was quite different from the Social Democrats. While the latter was a mass party, the CDU membership amounted to less than a quarter, some 200,000 members in the 1950s. The party did not have an impressive apparatus. It was a purely electoral organization to support the government and consequently, consequently had little policy directing powers. It was dubbed an association to elect the <coughs> chancellor or Kanzlerwahlverein in German. Only in the 1970s, when it found itself in opposition, it began to modernize and turn into a political party with a mass base, which bore fruit quickly under the leadership of its then chairman, Helmut Kohl. Kohl shrewdly used the many ancillary organizations that are characteristic of the CDU to organize a majority for himself. These are the Women's Union, the Youth Union, the Organization of the Self-Employed, and so on. Kohl saw his task as balancing their various interests. Together with federalism, this means that the CDU is a multi-centered party and not a centralized policy machine. This is especially so when it is in opposition, and thus one of the main tasks of a chairman is to organize agreement between the various centers in the party. This is, by the way, a problem that the SPD also shared uh, in the 1980s and 1990s. Let me come to um, the third party, the Liberals. Historically, there had always been two liberal parties in Germany, a more national, i.e. right-wing liberal, and a more social, i.e. left-wing party, um, most recently in the Weimar Republic. The fact that they now unified in the FDP improved the chances of liberal influence in German politics, and indeed, the FDP must be considered the most successful party in Germany in terms of government participation, apart from 11 of the federal republics uh, 57 years. It has always been in government um, no less than 80% of the time. Of course, liberal government participation always took the form of being the smaller coalition partner. But choosing with whom to team up, the SPD or the CDU gave the liberals a lot of power. Its long tenure in government has given it disproportionate influence, not least because the party has managed to more or less appropriate certain ministerial posts for itself. The highly influential post of economics minister, for example, has remained in FDP hands for over 20 years, first under an SPD chancellor and then under a CDU chancellor. 
Similarly, one of the most revered figures of the post-war republic, Hans-Dietrich Genscher, was foreign minister for nearly 20 years and is largely credited for managing the difficult task of thawing relations with the East while keeping <coughs> NATO and the Americans assured of West Germany's westernness. Continuity of tenure has benefits, of course, not only for the FDP itself, but for stability of policy in general, particularly such key policies as macroeconomic and foreign policy. But in spite of these successes, the fact remains that the FDP is electorally a weak party. It has no milieu like the CDU, churchgoers, or the SPD, trade unions. But it has to rely primarily on the support of the self-employed and the members of the professions. From 1980 onwards, the emergence of the Green Party threatened the majority of the SPD-FDP coalition, and as a consequence, the FDP began to change again. The social liberal wing began to recede and the free market position became dominant in the party. The result was another change of coalition partners in 1982 from the SPD to the CDU under Helmut Kohl. Let me now come to the youngest of the German parties, at least as we, if we limit ourselves to those that have already been in government namely the Green Party or Alliance 90, the Greens as their official name is after a merger with the citizens' rights movement of the former GDR. The Greens were founded in the late 1970s and in a way, as you just saw, they had their first political impact by contributing to the end of the SPD-FDP coalition. They were an important addition to the German party system, not least because they proved that it was um, possible to successfully found a new party and overcome the 5% hurdle of the electoral system. Ronald Engelhardt, an American scholar of electoral behavior in Western Europe and North America, has argued that there has been a silent revolution or, less dramatically, a culture shift among many voters in the last 30 years. This shift has been away from parties based on programs and interests concerned with material issues such as promoting economic growth, reducing unemployment, etc., towards parties revolving around post-materialist issues. These include themes such as protecting the environment, for which the, for which the Greens are of course most famous, but also embraces an interest in rejuvenating democratic accountability, unblocking the strangleholds of conventional polit in, uh, politics. In place of centralized, distant political control, the Greens advocate a revitalizing of local politics and an ethic of strong civic activism. Thirdly, the Greens are socially very libertarian, for example on issues such as abortion, free speech, and generally suspicious or hostile towards the police and authority. The Greens participated in coalitions with the SPD first on the land level and after 1998 in the federal government. The PDS, the Party of Democratic Socialism, uh, was organizationally formed out of branches of the former East German Communist Party. It should therefore come as no surprise that it has its electoral strongholds predominantly, or I should rather say exclusively, in the German East. 
It finds support primarily among those who feel discontent about the treatment since unification. The PDS in recent years has entered its first coalitions in Mecklenburg-West Pomerania and in the German capital, the state of Berlin. It remains to be seen in how far the necessary compromises of government participation will damage its populist leanings and whether it will lead the PDS onto a reformist path, not unlike that um, trodden before by the Greens some 20 years ago. So far, the signs are ambiguous. Um, the 2002 general election ejected the PDS from the Bundestag into extra-parliamentary opposition, but they managed to get back in the 2005 election, albeit under changed circumstances, about which I will say a bit more uh, towards the end of the lecture. Lastly, let me say a few words about the extreme right. So far, right-wing extremist parties have, little, have received little support and consequently had little influence in German politics. None of them has ever managed to get elected into the federal parliament, but from time to time some have been successful in land-level elections, such as the NPD in the 1960s or the Republicana and the DBU in the 1980s and 1990s. Compared with other West European countries, however, right-wing electoral success is below average in the Federal Republic. Nevertheless, even small successes create a lot of attention in Germany and abroad, and given Germany's history, this is to be expected. <coughs> right-wing extremism is being fought politically, but a couple of years ago, the federal government um, tried to have the National Democratic Party outlawed by the Federal Constitutional Court on grounds of inciting violence and hatred against foreigners. The hurdles for this procedure, which is laid down in the basic law, are high, however, and thus this is a dangerous procedure politically, because if it fails, it will likely give the National Democratic Party a large boost in publicity and legitimacy. Indeed, uh, fail did the attempt. The demand was turned down by the Constitutional Court um, and whether the gain of the NPD in the 2005 general election is only a blip remains to be seen. Let me now talk about how the parties interact in Germany in the party system. Over the lifetime of the Federal Republic, four periods can be distinguished on the level of the party system. You can see that on the handout in Table 2. As you see, there were many parties to start with. The formative period, which I uh, see between 1949 and 53, saw no less than 10 different parties and three independent members of parliament in the 1949 Bundestag, and six parties and no independents in the 1953 Bundestag. After that followed a period of concentration which lasted until the mid-70s. During that period, small parties vanished and were blended into the emerging big parties, namely the CDU and the SPD. The DP, the BP, um, the BHE, which stands for Federation of Expellees and the Deprived, um, and the Center Party all merged into the Christian Democratic Party, and the GVP, the All-Germans People Party, merged into the SPD. 
The 5% hurdle that I already mentioned uh, plays an important role in this concentration process because parties had to gain at least 5% of the national vote to be represented in the Bundestag or alternatively to gain three direct mandates. The reason for this hurdle were Weimar Republic experiences with fragmentation of the party system and a consequent inability to form a governing majority. The 1950s and 60s also saw a debate about change in the electoral system. An introduction of a UK-style first-past-the-post system was advocated by a couple of people. The overall result of the development of the party system was the emergence of a three-party system, or what we should probably rather call a two-and-a-half-party system, consisting of the CDU, the SPD, and the FDP. It had found its peak in 1976, when no less than 99.1% of all votes went to these three parties. The 1980s then saw a period of transformation with the weakening of party concentration, the emergence of the Greens um, and the Republicans, which we can interpret as a weakening of the left and right fringes. The Greens, however, were the only party to manage to enter the Bundestag in 1983, where they have established themselves as a permanent electoral force. You can also see on the, on the, um, on the picture here uh, the changing cleavage structure that um, between the 1950s and 1960s. Cleavage structure refers to the main conflict that structure um, tension lines in society. And the dominant cleavage in the 1950s and 60s was that between the left and the right on the one hand and the religious and the non-religious on the other hand. By the 1970s and 80s, the German party system had transformed itself. And you now see that while the left-right split still exists, um, the religious-non-religious split has been replaced by an old and new politics, materialist and anti-materialist or post-materialist values um, cleavage line. Unification came as a shock to a party system then in 1990 that was already in transition. Three of the small parties managed to cross the 5% hurdle and the other parties received 5.9% together, the highest share in their vote um, since 1957. But that may, of course, be considered relatively little change given the vast change of German unification. The party system in the West has remained unchanged since. The post-communist PDS never really stood a chance there. And in the East, the two small parties from the West, namely the FDP and the Greens, have remained very weak um, as well. As a result, in the East, there is a party system with three parties of roughly equal strength, namely the SPD, the CDU, and the PDS. Whereas in the West, um, it looks different. This means we have a split in the overall German party system, or a dual party system. There are there is what you could call a two plus two halves party system in the West, consisting of CDU, SPD, FDP, and the Greens. And there is a three-party system in the East. This leads to a fragmented situation that has complicated the overall party system tremendously, and the rise in the number of party coalitions 
uh, in the lender is a result of this. Here, the development has been one from similarity to multiplicity, and you can see the result uh, on last week's handout that gives you the um, uh, governments of the lender. It is not least this development that has complicated the situation in the Bundesrat so very much, um, which has had effects <coughs> on uh, previous governments. Let me, as a last part um, of the lecture, now talk about the question of who votes for whom and the 2005 general election. Like in 1998 and 2002, in 2005, again, unemployment was far and away um, the issue that the German electorate considered uh, the most important. But contrary to 2002, the electorate did not give Chancellor Schroeder the benefit of the doubt. After seven years, continuity was not what the voters wished. But they didn't want change either, so at least not complete change. So the result was a grand coalition, which you could consider as not a marriage of love, uh, but one that was forced by the election result on the participants. A true innovation, however, was Germany's first female chancellor, Angela Merkel, who at the same time is also the first chancellor from the former east of the country. In 2002, as you can see on the handout, the two big parties came out of the election literally neck and neck. Thus, the formation of the government hinged on the performance of the smaller coalition partners, and here the Greens outdid the FDP by a margin of 1.2 percentage points uh, after they had increased their support considerably since 1998. This was back then one of the closest results in the Federal Republic's history. But in 2005, neither of the two blocks, SPD and the Greens, CDU and the FDP, <coughs> managed an overall majority because the PDS, the East uh, German ex-communists, teamed up with a new protest party in the West, a protest party that had formed primarily um, had been formed primarily by trade unionists and former social democrats who opposed the uh, economic and social reforms of the Schroeder government. Given that the resulting party, called the Left Party PDS, was considered a potential um, coalition partner, was not considered a potential coalition partner for either of the established political blocs, this left no um, opportunity um, but to form a grand coalition with the, between the Christian and the Social Democrats, the second time since uh, after 1966. So, who elects whom? Let me sum up the results as follows. In 2005, the SPD loses, compared to th 2002 and 1998, especially in their core constituency of unionized blue-collar uh, workers but they still retain very strong support there. <coughs> uh, support um, in the unionized blue-collar workers, as well as in that of the unionized salaried employees, is 51% uh, in the former and 47% in the latter. So they're very strong here. It's also characteristic of the SPD that they find the most even support uh, of all parties through all age groups and regions. 
the CDU, in comparison, is much more uneven in its support. Among the age group of 60 plus, their support is 43%, but among those aged 18 to 24, it drops to 26%. Also, Christian Democratic support is noticeably weaker in the East than it is in the West, and I'll show you a couple of pictures uh, in a few moments. And while they fare particularly well in rural areas, support in metropolitan areas is much less good. But then they enjoy great support among churchgoers of both denominations, which of course, as you know, is a dwindling part of the population. The FDP in 2005 made substantial gains, uh, regained the third place among the parties, and it won, won back the support of its core constituency of self-employed professionals, where it enjoys a support of 19% and where it had lost badly in 2002 when it had tried a very populist campaign style. Its result of 9.8% is high by historical standards, but the party must be disappointed that it took votes away from its preferred coalition partner, the Christian Democrats, and ended up in opposition. The Greens have slipped back into fourth place after having managed for three successive general elections to defend the third rank among German parties. They draw their support especially from urban regions, from civil servants, and from those in the electorate who have a high formal education. The new left party performed spectacularly better than the PDS in 2002, winning 8.7% of the vote, which more than doubled its share. So it was back in the Bundestag again, um, and that success is chiefly responsible for, as I said, forcing the other parties into a grand coalition. But its support is still massively skewed towards the East. In fact, in the former West, the leftist party would still not have crossed the 5% hurdle because its support amounted to only 4.9%. Let me take you through the pictures on the handout one by one. They depict the geographic distribution of the votes, uh, and as the, party, uh, the, the pictures are black and white only, I hope that projecting them will make the data clearer. Let me start with the Christian Democrats. Regional support for them is strongest in the southwest in terms of political geography. Um, however, they have weaker support in the, in the north, and as you can see, manifestly weaker support in the east. Thus, the CDU remains a predominantly West German party, which puts their claim to be an all-German party into danger. Now, if you contrast this with the um, Social Democrats, you will see that uh, the position there is exactly the opposite. It's the North and the East of Germany where the Social Democrats are strongest. Support of them for them in, in the West varies, but they have very clear weaknesses in the South. The FDP and especially the Greens are parties which continue their, to find their support primarily in the West. Here you have the, um, um, the, the FDP, the Liberals, who have no clear electoral strongholds. They rarely ever reach double-digit fig figures. They have made in this election spectacular gains um, in the South, where CSU voters were uncomfortable with a Protestant childless woman 
as a chancellor candidate um, and who deserted to the liberals instead. But they continued to be comparatively weak in the East, if less so than in previous elections. If you look at the green results, you will see that they show clear concentrations of support in urban and metropolitan areas, but they often reach in excess of 20% of the vote, and they continue to build a regional stronghold in the southwest. The left party, as you can see, failed completely in the west, with the exception of the Tsar, in the lower left-hand corner, uh, which is the home region of Oscar Lafontaine, who was the co-leader during the election campaign. The PDS left party clearly remains a predominantly eastern party, where it is strong, often in the 20 to 30 percent range, and overall in the second, uh, the second poli uh, political force there, uh, ahead of, if only marginally, the Christian Democrats, and second only to the SPD. Still, this is not sufficient for making it a truly national political force. Overall, we can speak of a division of Germany's electoral landscape. This becomes most evident if you look at the bottom right picture on the handout, which shows the first-past-the-post element of the German electoral system, the direct mandates, 99% of which go to one of the two big parties. Here, the northeast versus southwest divide becomes particularly evident. Let me conclude by um, saying a few words about the present political situation. Chancellor Schroeder's announcement in May 2005 that he was seeking a surprise general election uh, shocked the German political system. The opinion polls were quite clear. 60% of voters thought it was time for a change, whereas only 36 thought it wasn't. Only 24% saw the red-green coalition as the preferred solution, while twice as many, 49, pre uh, preferred a CDU-FDP coalition. Fully 82% of the Germans expected the opposition parties to win, um, and only, even only 27% of the SPD supporters expected their side to win. But those were early, early days, and you may all have heard Harold Wilson's famous quotation that a week is a long time in politics and three and a half months uh, until election day proved to be even longer. The initiative of the former SPD chairman Oscar Lafontaine, who had been a long-standing critic of Chancellor Schroeder's reforms, his decision to leave the Social Democrats was an important element here. He joined forces with the PDS and the new protest party that I already mentioned, the WASG, which stands for Electoral Alternative Employment and Social Justice, which had stood in the North Rhine-Westphalian regional election but only gained 2.2% of the vote there. A new left-wing protest party thus emerged, and its success ultimately, as I have said, deprived both existing party blocs of a clear majority, which then resulted in the Grand Coalition. Whether this new force can establish itself permanently is still too early to judge. The main reason is that both the constituent parties, uh, the PDS and the WASG, face deep strategic questions whether they want to continue their alliance. What I said in the course of this lecture seems to speak against the change um, of the uh, PDS leftist party becoming a permanent feature in German politics. 
As we have seen, the German party system has only changed little and slowly in the past. Only one continuously successful new party emerged during the last decades, and that was the Green Party. On the other hand, one has to say that electoral behavior in Germany has become more volatile, particularly in the East, so things may change more quickly now than they did in the past. It really is a bit too early to tell at this moment. And with this, I want to end today's lecture. Next week, our topic will be the German social market economy in both concept and result. Thank you very much. Thank you.